Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCQ, The Planet, every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and also on Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WBCQ, The Planet. And you can also pick up the show on our YouTube channel, Camp Constitution, and when you visit, please subscribe, as well as Podomatic. Automatic.com. Just put in Camp Constitution Radio, and you'll get many of these shows that we've archived over the years. And we're very pleased to announce that we're still in the top ten on Automatic. So please visit that, and uh, all everything is a free download. Um, this show is brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week-long family camp. And next year's camp will be from July 28th to August 3rd. And we've got a really good lineup of instructors as we do every year. Uh, very uh, excellent young man, a young Christian patriot, Josh Moore. We just added him to the, um, to the, uh, to the portfolio. He's going to be, um, he's actually was a state rep from New Hampshire. And he's got an organization that's uh, designed to motivate young people to get involved and uh, young patriot Christians get involved in the political um uh, and get involved in politics, et cetera. So I look forward to having him there and many others, uh, Professor Willie Soon, Lord Christopher Monkton, and Reverend Stevie Kraft, whom I hope calls in in a few minutes. Uh, and <clears throat> so anyway, uh, just uh, visit our website to learn more about that, campconstitution.net. Uh, we, have, um, we have a lot of uh, wonderful resources on the website including the Sam Blumenfeld Archive, so please avail yourself of that free information. Well, we had a busy week last week. Uh, I was very uh, pleased that I was able to speak to the Nashua Federated Republicans Ladies Club, and there was a nice group of people there, including some state reps, um, Janine Nada, who's been a longtime friend. And we are in the process of getting a resolution to repeal the Article 5 uh, the the application, the one application that New Hampshire has for an Article 5 convention, and it's been uh, been submitted. Uh, Jeanine Nodder is a sponsor. And it was interesting enough. Now, I, I've talked a lot about Article 5 conventions over the years, and we've had a pretty good track record of defeating these resolutions. Uh, some have passed, uh, but in, in New England, in the Midwest, and uh, Pennsylvania, New York, we've done a pretty good job of... Uh, defeating a lot of the applications. And New Hampshire was an example where all of the old applications or extant applications were repealed, I think it was in 2010 or 11. And then one was snuck through uh, uh, for a so-called balanced budget amendment. And, uh, and we've been trying to repeal that. And as much as uh, we're not particularly happy by the results of the last election in New Hampshire, um, many Democrats, they actually think a budget, they, you know, because they don't like the idea of a balanced budget, uh, not because they uh, are concerned about an article. Well, I actually should say that. There are a lot of uh, Democrats that aren't in favor of an Article 5 resolution, but they actually think that a budget can be balanced and there would be massive tax cuts and uh, states will have to raise taxes or cut benefits. The problem with a balanced budget is that sounds good, but if a balanced uh, budget uh, is it's just a green light for uh, the Congress to simply monetize the debt, they're not going to cut. They're not going to get a constitutional budget. 
And it also there's all there's also in all of the proposed amendments I have seen there's an escape clause and that would be uh, two things uh, war or a state of national uh, national emergency. And while it's not likely that uh, Congress would declare war to maintain an unbalanced budget, they would have no trouble declaring a state of emergency, which we've been in anyway since I think the late 70s. And not only that, but it would make a a state of emergency a constitutional item where it's not in the Constitution at this time. So lots of problems with that. We hope we'll have some success uh, getting people uh, interested in, uh, in New Hampshire, getting legislature to repeal. Um, we also had a um, we had a good time with Reverend Stevie Kraft, uh, Reverend Kraft, who was supposed to call in. He probably got, um, got he had a busy couple of days. Uh, he came in Friday, and what we did Friday uh, when he came in, he, you know, he lives in New Jersey. I'm up in Boston, so he uh, picked, picked them up at the Amtrak station. We took a visit to uh, Milton, Massachusetts, and Milton, Massachusetts was the home of Dr. Clarence Gamble, the at that time in 1929, he was the president of the Eugenics Society. And what Reverend Kraft did, now Reverend Kraft is a black man, and I think the fact that he got to the address, the, the home of Clarence Gamble. Now, uh, I don't think the family lives there anymore, uh, whether it be grandchildren, I, I doubt it. I don't know. We actually didn't go on the property. We were across the street. But we just wanted to kind of give it this letter a sense of realism. This letter was sent to Dr. Gamble. It was December of 1939. I think it was December 10th, dated 1939. And it basically said, uh, it was by Margaret Sanger, uh, the founder of Planned Parenthood. And she was talking about what they referred to as the Negro, the Negro Project, which she launched in 1938. This Negro Project was designed to uh, promote birth control among blacks, um, and using clergy and, do- and doctors, black doctors and black clergymen, uh, to promote it. And the letter, ba- the letter summed up. She said, "We don't want we don't want it to be known that we're trying to exterminate the Negro race." And uh, whether or not, because her her supporters said, "Oh no, she didn't want to exterminate the Negro race." So she was saying that she didn't want to. That's what it's about. Well, whether or not she wanted to exterminate the Negro race, she definitely wanted to control their births. And Dr. Gamble, being a eugenist, uh, and he was the heir to the Procter & Gamble fortune. He was the grandson of one of the founders, and he was very much involved in not just eugenics, but birth control. He was, uh, was involved with designing um, uh, a, um, some early birth control devices, um, spermicides, and other things. Uh, he was involved, of course, with, plant, with Margaret Sanger's Planned Parenthood and other <clears throat> So Reverend Kraft read the letter, and that's on our YouTube channel. It was obviously a commentary. It was also interesting, too, that that was Friday. We were there about, oh, I don't know, 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And just a short distance, just maybe, I don't know, five or six, seven houses up on that same street, Adams Street, uh, was the birthplace of George H.W. Bush. And I, we drove by there. It's a private residence. And there is a little marker saying that this is where he was born. And uh, unbeknownst to us, he died, uh, I think, at 10 o'clock that day, 10 p.m. that day. And uh, so I did a little research. Now, George H.W. Bush was, uh, I call him Mr. New World Order. He was a strong, committed um, 
internationalist from day one. I don't think he, uh, no, yes, he served in World War II. He served courageously, not taking that away from him. Um, but he was a CIA hand. He was a, I actually visited his uh, homestead, uh, his library in Texas. And it was an excerpt of a speech he gave. It was uh, the, when he ran for the first time he ran for office, he was running against a local John Birch member. And uh, he was always, you know, against the anti-establishment types. So there was a speech, there was a copy of a speech, I guess the original speech that was handwritten, I believe. Or, and he said something to the effect that uh, I, I'm not a tool of the Rockefellers or something to that effect. Well, as you walk into the library, it has all the donors, you know, embossed in, in on the top, some of the major donors. And I think it was either Rockefeller Brothers or Rockefeller Foundation. So he lied. <laughs> he lied. And um, <clears throat> I don't think too many, too many patriots who are aware of this will forget his uh, September 11th, was it 1991 New World Order? No, 1990, I believe. Uh, New World Order. He was in front of a joint session of Congress, and we, he had talked about the, um, the Gulf War. First, it was Operation Desert Shield, and it became Operation Desert Storm. And he said, what we have here is a real attempt at this new world order. And then he defined it. He said, a UN is envisioned by its founders. So now you have to ask the question, who were the founders of the UN? It was interesting that right behind him was his vice president, Quayle, and I think it was the Speaker of the House, Mitchell, and, oh, Foley, I can't, yeah, it was a Foley, George Mitchell was the Senate, yeah, I think it was George Foley, um, and they both looked like they were on some type of psychotropic, they were just staring into space. I can't imagine, they had no expression whatsoever as George Bush uh, used this term. So anyway, let's, let's ask, who, uh, who were the UN's founders? Well, the man who wrote the UN Charter was Alger Hiss. Alger Hiss was a Stalinist agent at that time that the UN was founded. He was the acting secretary general at the UN's founding meeting in, uh, in California. And that would be 19, 1945 to 46 or so, 45. And he wrote the UN Charter. It was also a number of Americans, probably between 40 and 50, some of them were either Council on Foreign Relations members or actual communists. And there was one particular communist, um, Noel Field. And it was very fascinating that oh, it was back during the NAFTA, uh, NAFTA debate, 1993-94. I uh, wrote a letter to the local to the daily newspaper here in one of the daily newspapers, the Boston Herald, uh, you know, pointing the opposition to NAFTA and why it was a bad idea. Well, I got a letter from a gentleman who lived a few towns away from me in the town of Norwood, and he was the nephew of Noel Field. He was in agreement with me against NAFTA. He said that he was a socialist, but he, uh, but he was, uh, uh, believed in uh, nation sovereignty, and he admitted that his uh, uncle was a State Department red, and I wish I know I have that letter somewhere. I know I saved it. I wish I, I know it's somewhere in my uh, one of my one of my folders. So here it is, you know. So the UN it was founded by enemies of the United States, men like Alger Hiss and George Bush, H.W. Bush. He was a Yale graduate. He ran the CIA. Do you think he knew? If I knew who was the founder of the UN, you think he would? 
The UN was founded for the purpose of building a world government. And that was George Bush's biggest goal. Putting the, he always put the, in, the interests of the internationalist first. America always came second and third. Um, so, so I think uh, you know we, we there's a, and you're going to see all of the all of the establishment press just praising him to the hilt. You know what a wonderful guy he was and how what a, what a great patriot he was. But he actually was not a patriot. He did not work in the interest of the United States. He violated his oath of office numerous times. He was also a member of that secret society known as the Skull and Bones, a pretty eerie entity. Um, where you lay in a coffin naked and, and make uh, uh, sac- uh, uh, I guess you're, you you sacrifice yourself to the order and you you know that order comes first, everything else is secondary. Uh, so I guess and I don't think he ever left the skull and bones. It's not, or did he ever renounce it? So uh, that's this man who claimed to be a Christian. And so what was interesting, I did a little research on Prescott Bush, uh, Bush the father of George Bush. And I'm thinking, well, they did live, uh, the Bushes didn't live in that house that long, four or five years. He was, um, Prescott was running a company in South Braintree, Massachusetts for that time. And it's a beautiful house, by the way. It's not a little, uh, you know, little shack. It's a beautiful mansion. And so it was in Gamble's, you know, well, Gamble got a million dollars from his, uh, from Procter and Gamble and a million dollars back in, um, 1915 or whenever he got it was you know like 50 or 60 million dollars a day it was a whole lot of money so uh i thought gee i wonder if these people were were friends have they collaborated i I mean they they must have known each other they weren't too far away so i did a little research on prescott now there's some stuff that you have to take with a grain of salt uh now prescott also was a a skull and bonesman and he was connected to Brown Brothers Harriman that had connections to various uh, Nazi entities and so forth. But uh, Prescott Bush was a member of Plant, was a supporter, a member of Planned Parenthood and the birth control, uh, birth control, um, what's the thing? I'm trying to think what the name of the birth control um, society or something, which Gamble was involved in. So um, I'm going to be doing a little more research to actually see, um, you know, their connections and their friendship. It was I did a little bit, and I, there was nothing really clear-cut. But the fact that Prescott Bush was a member of the Skull and Bones, I'm sorry, Skull and Bones, but also he was involved with the Planned Parenthood. And, of course, that came up when he ran for uh, Senate. The Senate. He was a senator in, in Connecticut. And he was a, a, a moderate leftist. He was your typical left-wing Republican. But people like today, you get people like Mitt Romney and the late John McCain, who, you know, Romney took his 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 seat after the, the recent election. And so we have a lot of these Republicans who are internationalists, you guys, guys like Nixon and the Rockefellers over the years. And you pick up McCain and Romney's in that position. Um, a couple of the states, the U.S. senators from Maine, uh, the two ladies there are, are really they might vote the right way on some occasions, but for the most part, they support the internationalist cause. So, uh, so anyway, that video we did a we did a live Facebook feed, and when you use a Facebook uh, with a phone, it doesn't come out that well. You're outside in this traffic, but we also videotaped it and put it up on YouTube, and it's a pretty nice. Uh, I think it came out okay. So I do encourage people to get that and forward it along, and you can find that letter 
that Sanger wrote. It was actually in the uh, Smith Library of Northampton, Massachusetts, and that's where her papers are. And when people, first off, people try to deny its existence. Oh, that was a fraud. And then they say, oh, okay, it was, it's, it's, it's a real letter, but it's misunderstood. You see, so that's what you get. Uh, you can find it online. Just put down Margaret Sanger's letter to Gamble. And it was, it was one of the dirty secrets uh, about these eugenics. They, they encouraged sterilization. There were states that had sterilization laws, uh, people that were considered feeble. Um, they considered, Gamble considered blacks to be, you know, they shouldn't have feeble-minded children. Uh, and the whole thing about the, the IQ test, there was an IQ test developed at Clark University in Worcester, Massachusetts, that was designed to prove that black people were inferior. And they did this reaction test. And they had uh, Caucasians, blacks, and American Indians were engaged in this uh, reflex test. And they determined that, that the Indians did better than the blacks. The blacks were second and the whites were third overall. And they said, you see, the quicker you are, the dumber you are. I said, wait a minute now. I mean, to me, if you have quick reflexes, that might mean your brain, you know, the brain to, the, to your hands or the feet uh, are working pretty good if you, see, if, if you sense danger. Um, but that's supposed to be a, a sign of low intelligence, which is absolute nonsense. And so that, um, that caused all kinds of problems. So this is one of the, the, the dirty secrets that the left does not want the black community to know. And there are plenty of so-called black leaders that will keep this under under wraps why because so many blacks were involved in promoting this amongst blacks including martin luther king and you're not supposed to say that um even a lot of people who are conservative patriots they well they think king was one of one of them one of ours he was a conservative he was a republican he was the recipient of the margaret sanger award well he didn't know well, poor guy didn't know. He didn't know this. He didn't know that. Well, you know, the King was a smart guy, and you don't receive awards. He didn't receive any awards from the Ku Klux Klan or the neo-Nazis. He didn't receive any awards from uh, uh, the Sons of the American Revolution, but he did receive an award from Planned Parenthood. So someone, and he had an acceptance speech, and you can find that speech on Planned Parenthood's website. They're proud of it. You think that his... Someone in his family, his niece, who's a wonderful lady, by the way, uh, she's a very conservative, uh, patriotic lady. I don't, uh, I don't question her whatsoever. But the argument is, well, it was the wife who actually gave the speech. She did it on behalf of her husband. And this was 66. It was a few years before he died. It wasn't something that he was given posthumously against his will. He was alive in 1966. So um, when the, uh, the left will talk about institutionalized racism you know they want you to believe that uh, half the people in the police force or in politics or you know the local dog catcher they're all neo-nazis and klansmen and all the the reason why they're in these positions is to to make it tough for blacks to shoot to shoot unarmed blacks or what have you that's the narrative but there is institutionalized racism through these entities like Planned Parenthood a very ugly legacy and this is something, again, that most black, even conservative blacks don't like to touch. But it is good to see that the word's getting out. And you know, there are a lot of uh, conservative black organizations. You can find some on Facebook that aren't afraid to touch this subject. And I, I'm very happy about that. So 
I hope, again, I hope you visit our YouTube channel, and I hope you uh, ch- check this out. Um, and also, we we uploaded a few years ago the the, the uh, an excerpt of Bush uh, George H. W. Bush's speech on the New World Order, and you could find that on our YouTube channel as well. There's a lot of other entities that have put this up, but we put it up a couple of years ago, and it's only the whole. I don't know how long the whole speech was, but we just had that. 30 seconds where he had talked about a new world order. So please find that, share it, download it, and get it out to people so they can understand what this man was about. This man wasn't about freedom and liberty. It was just the opposite. So uh, we also had a, we had, we had a wonderful time visiting the home of Pastor William Levy. Now, William Levy is the founder of uh, Operation Nehemiah. Operation Nehemiah is an organization that has a ministry in the South Sudan. And William Levy, we want to get him on the radio, we want to get him on the show probably next week. We're supposed to have Reverend Kraft call in, but I think he probably, he had a busy, a really busy week, and uh, he might have just uh, forgot here, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get him down the road. But um, William, Le- William Levy, now he tells an incredible story, and he has a, a um, uh, uh, I think twice a week, twice a month he has a meeting in his home. It's a it's a service, and we had to, um, Reverend Kraft and I had the honor to speak to the group. I first met um, Pastor Levy at a homeschool show in Worcester, Massachusetts. I think it was 2013, and invited him to camp. He came for for about a half a day with his family. He's a beautiful family. He he is a U.S. citizen. He loves America. He loves what this country stands for. But he does have a burden for his former homeland, and he was called to, you know, set up his mission field. And you can check his website out, Operation Nehemiah. He, he does great work there. And anyway, we uh, we discussed some great resources that we have at Camp Constitution, and Pastor Levy actually invited us to go to the Sudan. I have not uh, South Sudan, I should say. And one of the fascinating things too about um the i think the reason why he wanted us to go because reverend Kraft is a he's an evangelist uh but on on my end it was to discuss the need for education and especially uh when it comes to reading now i learned not too long ago that unesco an arm of the un really well everything about the un is rotten but UNESCO was one of the more rotten entities, United Nations Education Scientific Cultural Organization. They offer black African countries totally free education material for the whole country. For all the whole all the countries of South Africa will get this this free material. And it's absolute poison. It promotes homosexuality, socialism, all the all the things the opposite of uh, what Christians are supposed to be promoting. And I I heard a gentleman speak, a gentleman from, we actually have his presentation up on our YouTube channel. Oh, it's, it's, anyway, it was a South Southern country in Sub-Saharan Africa. And he said that the, um, he he personally knows the president of the country and the president says, yes, we know it's not that good, but it's free. And my comeback was, well, somebody gave me a meal and, uh, you know, 99% protein but 1% poison. I'm not eating it. Sorry. I don't care. Not going to take it. 
So uh, we again haven't decided if uh, if it's the right thing to do. If uh, Lord will open the door for us, but it'd be great to be able to uh, get there and uh, get an experience. I've never been to Africa, and so if it works out, it works out. Also, uh, uh, Reverend Kraft was talking about going to Cape Town, South Africa, uh, working with uh, Dr. Peter Hammond, who was an incredible man. Dr. Peter Hammond of Frontline Ministry of. Um, and Peter Hammond was a member of the South African Defense Force, a real uh, a, a real warrior, and he's become a warrior for Christ, where he just does incredible work uh, bringing the gospel uh, to some remote areas at the risk of his life, uh, his family. Uh, it's just an incredible story. I just and when I got a chance to meet him uh, and videotape his presentation, he's just a, a kind of a very down to earth guy, you know, and he's just a real loves the Lord and just. That, you know, he doesn't doesn't have any airs about him whatsoever. Brilliant man. So, um, you know, just see what uh, what opportunities are there for us. I also want to mention too, um, Debbie Bacicalupi was um, we had her on. She was a speaker at camp, and Debbie lives in Northern California, where these fires are happening. And last Sunday, I had the chance to fill in for uh, Lori. Hopkins Cavanaugh of the Lori and Liberty show and I uh, with Tom Moore we he was my guest host and we had Debbie on the um, on the, on the phone and interviewed her about the California wildfires and she's a rancher and also an expert on agenda 21 and she just talked about the restrictions and the rules and regulations that make it impossible to manage the land and when you Managing forest and grasslands, and it was really the grass fires. Uh, if it's like managing a garden or your own your own your own yard, you know, if you don't cut your grass, if you don't weed the garden, if you don't trim back the trees, within a couple of years you're going to have a mess. You're going to have some brush underbrush that could catch fire. You'll have leaves that will catch fire. So you have to also manage woodlands, and you have to in the grasslands. And she said between. Uh, Making it difficult to graze, uh, she said the, you know the cattle would graze and keep the grass down so it won't burn. Uh, even cutting trees on your own property, and she said it has nothing to do with climate change, which of course is, is nonsense to begin with. It has everything to do with regulations and all of the other policies that they've done. And basically, what they want to do is get the ranches off the land. That's the bottom line here. And so Debbie gave a good presentation, and the presentation she gave at Camp Constitution was entitled uh, Wildfires and Agenda 21-2030. And, boy, that video got – I think we had a few thousand views by the end of – I think it was by the end of October. And now we've got well over 25,000 views. So lots of people are catching on, and they're uh, they're coming to our YouTube channel. They're coming to our Podomatic uh, page. They're visiting the Sam Blumenfeld archives, and as a result of that, you know we're going to we're going to get good attention. We're going to get some negative attention, and that includes um, an article that came out on, on an online uh, dismog. It was a Canadian left-wing entity, and they had uh, this would be just a few weeks ago. They had an article entitled "Christian." I think it was called "Christian Vacation." Notorious climate deniers at Christian vacation camp or something like that. Well, we're not exactly a vacation camp, but it's a good place to go for a vacation. But we don't just lie in the sun and swim and uh, 
Well, we do some of that. It's a Camp Constitution's uh, annual camp. So uh, when the left takes notice and has to write articles about our camp and uh, smear us, uh, that's a good sign. To me, it's a good sign. You know, when, when they're not noticing you, uh, they're not, you're not making much of an impact. It was interesting. My, my dear wife was at a ladies group a few years ago, and it was one of these groups. They, ha- they have a two-day, it's a two-day retreat. Uh, actually, not really a retreat. They meet in large arenas, and it was in Hartford, Connecticut. And I asked my wife, I said, were there any protesters outside? She said, no. Why would there be protesters? Well, I mean, if these dear sweet ladies were working against the culture war or uh, they had a major theme and say reverse Roe versus Wade or the homosexual agenda, you know, to, to fight against that, there'd be some protests. No. And, you know, I'm not saying it's not a bad place. I'm glad my wife went. It's a good place for ladies to get together and, do some Bible studying and, and networking. That's all good. But I think it's time we need, not time, it's been long overdue that Christians need to set up to step up to the plate and get involved. And that's what, uh, that's why we exist. We don't just uh, talk about the problem, but we go out and do things. We do, we encourage people, we educate people, we, you know, all of our outreach events and some of the, the planned events uh, will take, will play a key role in that. So, yeah, I think my time has run up. And um, thank you for listening. You're listening to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. And until next week, may God richly bless you.